Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth, and you are listening to the Simply 127 podcast. And first, I just want to say Happy New Year. And yes, that's a little awkward to say by yourself. (laughs) I hope that you all had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I believe that we have a real treat of an episode for you as we kick off 2021. Just as a refresher, this season we've been talking about how the gospel is central to the work that we do here at 127 Worldwide. We also love to tell people stories, and we love to hear how lives have been changed as people believe the truth of the gospel. And as we planned for season two of the podcast, I knew that I wanted to have a conversation with Jeffrey. Jeffrey is our 127 local leader who lives in northern Uganda. He grew up as a vulnerable child and came to faith as a teenager amidst an ongoing civil war in Uganda. Today, Jeffrey is a 127 partner because in the midst of many terrible circumstances, God saved him and eventually led him to start Acres of Hope, where he cares for vulnerable children and widows in his community. Featuring Jeffrey on the podcast came with a few logistical challenges. First, I would have loved to have had this conversation in person, but Americans are currently not allowed into Uganda because of COVID restrictions. Then there are technical difficulties that happen as you attempt to record a conversation across the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm just stubborn enough to give it a try. (laughs) So today's episode features a few clips pulled from a very long conversation that I was recently able to have with Jeffrey. The original plan was to have a 30-minute call with Jeffrey, but one thing led to another, and four hours later, we had a mountain of audio for our team to comb through. I considered hitting you up with a record-breaking four-hour episode because hearing the story of how God transformed Jeffrey's life truly is amazing. I actually have some future plans and ideas for the hours and hours of footage, so you can stay tuned for that. I'll save that for another time. But instead, today, we've plucked just a few excerpts to give you a glimpse of God at work in and through Jeffrey. And it's not perfect by any means, but I think you will enjoy it nevertheless. Please give us grace for internet problems and possible gaps in the story. We are working to bring you a more in-depth telling of Jeffrey's story in 2021. So today really is just a teaser. To really get a great grasp on the magnitude of Jeffrey's testimony, it would be beneficial to have some more background and context that we just don't have time to explore in this episode. To help you with some of that, we've actually created a brief timeline of Uganda's history and the 30-year civil war that just ended in 2008. You can find this in the show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127. It would also be helpful for you to be mindful of cultural differences between Uganda and the U.S. One example is Jeffrey references his biological father having seven wives. Polygamy is still relatively common in East Africa even today, but it is important to note that a biblical pattern of monogamous marriage has increasingly become the norm. Before we get started, I do want to let you know that today's content is definitely for mature audiences. So if you have children, please listen to this episode alone first and then decide what to share with your children. Jeffrey was born in 1965, just three years after Uganda gained independence from Great Britain. For the majority of his life, there has been governmental, political, and societal unrest. Jeffrey's biological mother abandoned him at a young age, and his father was a policeman who was poisoned when Jeffrey was only 13. 
After his father died, Jeffrey learned that the lady who had raised him was actually not his biological mother. In these first few clips, Jeffrey shares about his father's death and the few years that followed that time in his life. So let's listen in on a few minutes of our conversation. By the time he's coming to his death, he was living in Kampala. So most of us were staying there. So during the war is when he brought us from Kampala to Arua. And we didn't know any other place. So when he passed on, we didn't know where to go. And uh, the unfortunate part, uh, most families were disorganized. Like uh, he was a polygamist. He was having seven wives. So we are staying in one home. So after his death, so you find that uh, each of my stepmoms, you know, were picking their children and uh, they would just leave. Personally, I didn't know that uh, the one I used to call my mom wasn't my mom. And I came to learn that after my dad had passed on in 1979, I mean 1980 during the war. So my stepmom picked on her biological children and then she decided just to move with them. And then I, I was left with my sister. Then my sister being somebody old, older than me, she decided to maneuver away up to Kampala, back to Kampala, where she was used to the lifestyle there. Okay, so but I'm gonna me, I'm gonna pause you there because when you say the word polygamist in America, that might need some explaining <laughs> as to um, yeah, that's something it, it that's was, culturally acceptable at the time, yeah, or is that still yeah, common now in Uganda? No, it is culturally acceptable. The, as long as they're able to have more than one wife, it's mm. casual acceptable. So, so the lady had, that you thought was your mom, your biological mom, told you after your dad died that she was not your yes. biological mother. Yeah, yeah. And I know that left you with a lot of questions about your childhood. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. After that. Uh, I I begin to question, I begin now asking where my mom was and uh, I didn't even get to know where she was. And uh, I, I just was living in that village and uh, life was a little bit harder because all the community no, nobody will accept to allow me live with them. And uh, that's the time I had one of my cousins who was a little bit you know, sympathetic with my life. So he will you not know, sneak me in their homes. Mm -hmm. But one problem we had by that, the mother was again, again, is him bringing me Saying in case anything happens to me, you will be responsible. They will all the committee all look at them. But uh, uh, I managed to to live by the riverside and uh, you no know, find my life through you no know, 
fishing and doing other things. And uh, until 1981, when, 1981, when a missionary came, and the Sons of God they opened a church and uh, in the same community. And that is the time that I came across them and uh, they, they, the pastor, okay, the church planter had interest in me because I will speak good English and then I'll be able to interpret for him. <laughs> so when I, that, I met that missionary, uh, I, I started helping him, you know, translating from English to the local language. And uh, that one at least occupied me and it was much interested in me. So I, in the course of helping him, then I think he, he mobilized the church. He said, no, they cannot allow me no live by the riverside. So he mobilized the church. He said the, the, the ladies should cut grass and then the men and the youth, we, we should cut poles. Then he, he sent me to the community elder to ask if they can give me land so that the church can build for me a house. So He, he advocated we to, for you. Yes. In this next clip, Jeffrey shares how he came to understand how Jesus reconciled him to God. Listen as he shares how he first believed the gospel. Of course, when when we first came from Kampala, uh, we joined one of the Anglican church because my my dad was an Anglican, mm-hmm. and uh, we joined the Anglican church. And uh, when the war came, we had to leave Arua and went to Nebi. It is where now uh, I went and started my P7 in one of the schools. So what, of course, during that time, it it was during the war and a lot of regular things, no? Hard life, uh, you survive today, thinking that you don't survive tomorrow. Mm-hmm. When you see the sun rising, you say, praise God. So uh, life was completely very hard as I was leaving that parents. And uh, I was not even concentrating much in school. Mm-hmm. So it was 1981, uh, one day, the the a certain youth evangelistic team, they were moving it, you know, Dr. Billy Graham's film, and it was the first time to bring that you know, uh, film in that community. So when they're announcing about the film show, everybody was excited. So that evening, the school, disperse the students earlier to come home so that they can arrange to go back for the film. It was like a so, a crusade Billy Graham film. Yeah, yeah. So what happened, 
Now, the youth from that community, they know that I know English very well because they have to interpret Billy Graham's what messages from English to the local language. Mm-hmm. So this cousin of mine says, no, you, you come and inter- today they feel him, they say to be in English, but they will be interpreting him in Alure. So do you mind come, come with us to you know, help us in translating? So as I went uh, uh, with them, of course, I started translating for them. They are getting very well. <laughs> then when they they made the altar call after the film, the team started making altar call. Those who want to receive salvation come. And I, you know, my, the name that most community, the youth in the community, the nickname they gave me was a jungle boy. <laughs> the so jungle I boy. Just, when they made, yeah, so when, when I just walk for you not know, to receive Christ on that very evening, Everybody was laughing, shouting. So all the the, the kids that I was with, the preaching, they follow me. And of course, for them, they thought it was a drama. Uh, everyone said, jungle man, jungle man, jungle man, jungle man. So, so we walked and they prayed for us. We have about 40. <laughs> so they prayed for us and uh, so we came back. Were you actually translating Billy Graham? Was that the first time that you heard the gospel and you're actually proclaiming it to other people? Yeah, actually, of course, uh, I was I was in a Sunday school. I was in the Sunday school, but you know the reason why that day I had to go because uh, there was an incident that you no, know, I felt you no know, in my life. Uh, because that evening, I did not go to school on that day. So that evening, I came from you no know, from the Nile fishing, and it was first time. So my my plan to go fishing was just that day to go and just take the boat, go pretend that I'm going to fish. Then when I reached the middle of the, the the river Nile, after casting the net, my interest was just to jump, pretend that you no, know, the the boat capsided. Mm-hmm. So as I was making that plan, then it was unfortunate. I cast my net, and before I finished casting it, somebody again came in front of me, started casting his net. Then one person went behind me or casting the net from behind. So it was very hard for me now to jump into the river. <laughs> so, and that was how I just saved my life. I think God was protecting was just, you. My life was that day to go and jump. And then so I fell into the river and died. Because it was hard. I I could not make it to school. And I was being teased when I'm at school. Now when I come home where I'm sleeping, sometimes I have to stay until around 10 in the night. And then because they chase, begin chasing all young children away by 7. And mm-hmm. when they're chasing, the the watchman will also say, you first go out, and then you will come when others, these people have already gone. So life was really not very good. And so my, the only option I was taking was just better. I jump in the river and die and forget about life. So just to make sure you caught that, God spared Jeffrey's life the same day that he became a Christian. 
Jeffrey had a plan to commit suicide and make it look like a boating accident. In these last few clips, Jeffrey shares how he believes that God used his difficult childhood to prepare him for the ministry that God was calling him to. He believes that he can relate to struggling teens in a unique way because of his past experiences. Since that day, I just gave my life to Christ and I saw a lot of you know, changes in my life. I think God had a plan. He was not finished with you yet. Right now, I I, I believe so. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I look at the life I'm leading right now. When I look flashback, I say, I think all those hard situations goes with preparing me for for this current situation now I am in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something we want to talk about, just um, what God did in your life and the transformation that happened and you believing the gospel. How has that shaped you know, God's call and what you're doing with your life now. Can you make those connections clearly to see, you know, God was faithful to not let you commit suicide and to place you in a missionary, you know, crossing paths with a missionary, those kind of things. Do you do you think about that often? Can you make those connections and see how God was preparing you? Yeah, when I look at, uh, honestly, when I look at... Uh, the life that I had, the struggles, and uh, God, you know, coming my way as early as, you know, in, when I was, I think, around 16 by then. Uh, the moment I, I went and they prayed for me, a reservation, then that very month, then that missionary also came for church plant. And uh, when he engaged me in helping him to translate uh, from English to vernacular, because he was coming from, from Lera, so he did not know the local language. And uh, in, in the process, he, he, he was also you know, helping disciple us to, you know, actually with the people that I was helping him translate to. So he picked much interest in you know, discipling me into, into to, to Christianity and then helping me understand the Bible. And then he will also, when he will go back home, he will allow me to, to remain, to help you know, the young you know, Christians that were there. So he went, he made me go through the discipleship class and the, the same you know, lessons that I underwent with him was now the lesson that he will allow me to help with it other people. Mm-hmm. So for me, at first I was thinking that, uh, okay, I was helping him, but in the end I found that uh, it enrooted me deep into salvation more and more than than the work I was doing to help him. I was preparing how to help my own way. But I think uh, God was enabling me to do that. And uh, encouraging people was what I like best. And uh, 
my situation taught me enough lesson to help more people believe in what no i say and actually right now they're able to confirm what i was telling them they are scared about life but i was looking life positively or seeing that something can happen but god can still help us and that's how i developed that idea of you know giving hope amidst the dark era that we are living in to people and uh, they are believing in those things that I, those who are, are still around what i used to tell them and how god will help us you know cope up with the post war and uh, i think that's how i conceive that idea of makers of hope it's almost like you see yourself as god's messenger to these people that you know there is hope he does care about us and he hasn't forgotten us definitely because uh, as i told that uh, i was much rooted in the bible so when i would read the bible stories and see how you know the jews you know the movements of the jews so basically those were some of the great encouragement that i had and uh, i would pick it and then translate it to our situation and say yes one day god also will do like he did for the israelites so and uh, that alone made okay some people will doubt but i was strongly convicted that god will give us you no know, light in the future Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to check out our show notes for some more information on the war in Uganda and Jeffrey's ministry, Acres of Hope. We hope that hearing Jeffrey's story will encourage you to examine your own life. What experiences have shaped you and how has God used your circumstances to grow your faith or to minister to other people? And make sure you tune in next week as we interview Manny and Jillian Prieto and they share their adoption story. 